Thank you for joining us for this episode of From All Sides, a podcast by Cube Group, where we explore the strategic, organisational and human sides of the major issues facing public value organisations. In the current COVID-19 crisis, our series focuses on the different ways this global pandemic impacts public service leaders and their organisations. And we discuss the ways we can be better prepared to lead Australia's response and recovery. More information on each episode is on our website, www.cubegroup.com.au. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Hello, I'm Tom Craven. Today is February 10th, 2021, and we've just ticked over about one year since the first COVID-19 case was recorded in Australia. It's a milestone that reminds us just how long this pandemic and the changes to our lives that have come along with it have been with us. Thankfully, Australia's quarantine system, while it's experienced some challenges and occasional outbreaks, it continues to keep our country largely COVID-free. In Melbourne this week, the Australian Open got underway. And while it was far from normal, and it was the product of a difficult logistical and quarantine challenge, surely holding an international sporting event with thousands of fans is some sort of sign of progress. Speaking of progress around the world, the progress of the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine is commencing. Nations like the UK and the United States have seen millions of the most vulnerable citizens vaccinated. And Australia has announced its plan to commence vaccination over the coming months. Another sign of good progress and hope. Meanwhile, as the green shoots of returning to normal continue to grow, Australia's public purpose sector faces an extraordinary task of addressing the complex waves of social and economic damage that the pandemic has created. Our guests today are Sam Biondo, Deb Sabaris, and Tom Simonson. Sam, Deb, and Tom are the CEOs of Victoria's Peak Bodies for the alcohol and other drugs sector, the child and family welfare sector, and the healthcare sector. Collectively, these three peak bodies represent hundreds of organisations and tens of thousands of professionals, delivering some of the most important services for the health and well-being of Victorian people and families. Over recent years, terms like integrated services, joined up responses, breaking down silos have become almost ubiquitous in policies and strategies across the health and social services. And yet, the challenge of bridging the divide between sectors and organisations remains very much a real challenge. Amongst other things to address these issues, in 2020, the three peak bodies established the Tri-Peaks Project, a collaborative project to support and promote good governance and integrated practice across these three different sectors. Your podcast host has been fortunate enough to be a part of this forum, and I can attest to its success. More information on the Tri-Peaks Project can be found at any of the Peaks websites, and we'll put a link to it in our show notes. And it'll be a topic for our discussion today. But before we get there, let me first welcome our guests. Sam, Deb, Tom, thanks for being part of this conversation. Pleasure. Good to be here. Deb, let me start with you. In preparing for this discussion, you made a very simple point about collaboration, just that collaboration between sectors is hard. What are some of the challenges that make collaboration difficult? Oh, look, I think collaboration is a nice word. People use it really glibly. It's like the word partnership. But to make it real, it is really hard. Now, I think on the ground, workers do a quite good, a good job of this, but at a systems level and across systems, it's really tough. It's not often resourced and we just speak different languages. And I have to say, during COVID, it was the single biggest, one of the single biggest important things. I mean, if you couldn't collaborate during COVID, when could you? So this initiative, Tri-Peaks, has been amazing. It came into its own, really, during COVID. So for me, collaboration, partnership, lovely words, but you have to be able to demonstrate it, but you also have to resource it. That's what's happened here. It's been fantastic. 
I was just thinking as you were talking, Deb, one of the things that makes collaboration really hard is that most people assume it isn't. So particularly people in government who will come to, you know, people like us and say, why is there not more collaboration as though it's not actually that hard. And that's why it doesn't get funded. And so the reason that this was different was that there was an acceptance that there did need to be a bit of support, both moral and financial. But I think we are we are really challenged by the fact that it's become a buzzword like partnership or integration or all of those other wonderful things. As soon as they become a buzzword, everybody thinks they're really easy and we've got it sorted and they stop resourcing them. And, and what we had to, I think, do between us is, is remind everybody that that's not the case. It sounds really basic, but it, we're, we're plagued by this. In, in our sector, in health, there is this just basic expectation that every organisation will collaborate with each other, but nobody ever really puts any effort at the planning stage into understanding why that's going to take a bit of time. And it's left to the frontline provider to work it out. And I think that's why this is different. Collaboration is a very, very easy word to say, yet it very much rests on relationships. And we make things work and we have made things work with this Tripeaks activity because of the relationships, not because it's written on paper that we need to, we need to collaborate. And that's what it's like in the real world. We can't work on behalf of our service users and expect success if we don't have a, a collaborative relationship with others who can make a contribution to the success of our work. So what this Tripeaks endeavour is showing me is that by strengthening the relationship, by going deeper into the work that we need to do and understanding each other's area, we can have better success. Deb, you said a second ago that frontline workers are often better at collaborating than perhaps further up organisations. Do you want to say a bit more about that? Oh, look, I think that workers who are close to clients look at what they can get that can solve the problem in front of them for that person, which is sort of extending on Sam's comments. I mean, ultimately, collaboration, integration, partnership is all aimed at getting a better response for the client, for the person in front of you. So workers have got that immediate challenge, that immediate confronting thing in front of them. So there's some urgency for them to know who else to talk to and know where to get an additional service for a family. So I think there's some urgency there. But at a systems level, government has created a very competitive environment and that blows up collaboration at, at, at a sort of once you get beyond a worker, you get to that first layer of management, it, it can blow up the partnership. And I think that, you know, if we really want seamless services and people working together no matter what, government is going to have to think differently about how they fund because it really is it's oppositional to what we're talking about here today nonetheless you still get services prepared to collaborate under you know under that sort of duress but workers are always amazing they always you know the ingenuity is is always remarkable when we're very lucky in our sectors to have such incredible workforces well and, and you, you see the pragmatism at the front line that still exists further up organisations, but there are so many more barriers to being pragmatic. So if you are a frontline um, AOD worker that sees that somebody needs something that another sector can provide, generally speaking, you don't think, oh, well, I mean, what will the government think of that? And where does the funding come from? And, and, and what happened? What will the board do? And it, you just think this person needs help I can't provide, but I know somebody who can. And we often get feedback from frontline workers that they're very frustrated when policies stop them doing things like that, as they often yeah. do, uh, for reasons that make sense to the CFO or the, the COO or whoever, but, but not at all at the front line. So when you get further up, 
if you're a chief executive or a, or a board member, you have to start considering the competitive tensions that Deb mentioned, either within your sector or with other sectors or with different kinds of ownership. So whether it's public versus not-for-profit versus for-profit, and, and all of those things start to cloud and, and it becomes a large part of an executive's job to, to work through those tensions. And whilst nobody wants this to be the outcome, the outcome is that the person at the center of our service delivery, the client or the patient, suffers. Sam, in preparing for this topic, you talked a bit about particularly funding. It's come up again here as to how that gets in the way of collaboration. Do you want to talk a bit more specifically, perhaps, for those people who are not familiar with your sectors? How does funding tend to work and why does that get in the way of organisations working together? We follow, in broad terms, a very similar funding model as what occurs in Victorian hospitals, activity-based funding. So the key elements of work in our sector are segmented into activity type counselling, residential, outreach, etc. And there's a price set for each one of these activities. Now that presupposes we have an effective counting mechanism of databases to register the work against the activity type. And then that goes to show that we've met particular targets, that our people are undertaking the specified amount of work they're supposed to under each activity type. That's a really complex system administratively and really it doesn't do much for the human being at the end of it because human beings have holistic needs they don't have just that activity type they have a need for this and that and that and that and unfortunately these managerialist approaches to to funding actually start to segment a person's life quite unnaturally and it really it becomes really problematic so in spite of all that we do our work and we, we have to do more because you can't account for all the different sorts of activities a human being needs. You know, Sam's right. I mean, I think at the, end, at the end of the day, people's lives in funding terms come down to widgets. And, you know, the onus is on all of us to try and join that up because it isn't at the moment. And we've got a long way to go. But I think that we can do something pretty amazing to demonstrate we can do that. Might ask you to introduce us to the Tripex project. You began it in 2020. Do you want to tell us some of the background to it and why you came together and what you're trying to achieve through the project? So for me, it came out of a, a conversation that I had with the former secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services, Kim Peake. And we were kind of toying with a problem, which was not actually related to my sector or Deb's or Sam's. It was a, a different part of the kind of the broader uh, social services, community services space. And, and we kind of got to kind of asking the question of why this particular problem, which also occurred in other sectors, was being dealt with separately as though it was unique. And it was a governance problem. And so we started talking about the issues of, of governance in in the sector I represent, and, and weren't they quite similar challenges to the issue in this other sector? And she was talking about how wouldn't it be great if, if peaks actually could work together to help each other? And, and, you know, this is something as a CEO of a peak, we think we do this, I think, or we certainly did in hindsight, I think we did that. But from a government perspective, it could look quite chaotic. And you'd find that one peak was being given, you know, however many dollars per year to do a piece of work around leadership or, or governance. And then the next one was being given the same amount of money to do something similar. And, and it's not that that's 
a particular problem, but they were all rolling out different solutions. So I didn't really think much more of that until I got a phone call from, from Deb, who'd obviously had a similar conversation with Kim, where Kim had maybe pushed a little bit harder and said, well, maybe I'm suggesting you could do something about this for me. And that's where this collaboration came from, where I think she and other people in the department really wanted to test, could peaks come together not to do things that were specific to their sector, but things that were similar across sectors to do those things together, to do them in a collaborative way. And you know, my, my first response was, well, we can do that as long as you don't keep forcing us to be competitive with each other by giving us all different amounts of money to do the same thing. That's how this happens. We're not innately empire builders, or maybe some of us are, but we're not, we don't start with that in mind. But when it becomes competitive to get government funding, that's kind of what happens. It's what happens with our sectors. So it's, of course, what happens with us. And, and so out of that came this idea of the tri-peaks, where we're funded as a group to do work for all of our sectors, the three sectors, on the same things. So if it's governance, you know, for example, in governance and in kind of leadership development, mentoring, we already do that. So we get a bit of money to boost that capacity so that we can provide it to the other sectors. When you say it out loud, it sounds pretty simple, but it's not actually been done before. What has tended to happen in the past is government gives money either to one peak and says you deliver it to everybody without actually asking the other peaks or the other sectors whether they're okay with that, or they give a bit of money to everybody, which is never quite enough to do the job properly, and then, you know, sort of look back and say, why didn't you do it well enough? And in this case, they gave money to us as a group of three. There's one contract. The, the funding is held by one, which is at the Centre for Excellence, because legally it has to be. But the contract is with essentially all three of us. That's not been done before, certainly not on something like this. And so what we have is a pool of funding split between the three organisations, a human resource, a person in each organisation leading the work, coordinated by the centre. But it's not, it's not my money or Sam's money or Deb's money it's the tri-peaks money. And, and that, legally speaking, is hard for the department to get its head around. And they had to, they had to move things, change policies. Um, and, and actually, I think they found it, I think it'd be fair to say, Deb, I think they found it quite difficult. But eventually, they were able to get to a point where they could, they could fund us the way that they have. And it's a first. Mm, yeah. I think that, for me, duplic- duplicative effort is not a good thing, not in any way, shape or form. And or in times where we certainly don't want to be doing that. I think the other thing for me with Tri-Peaks was I love innovation. I love trying some new things. And in my mind, in getting this off the ground, I was pretty keen for the partners to be from the health sector, not from community services, because I think that's perceived as the biggest challenge. Different languages, different funding regimes, different members, but for the most part, not always, but different, different cultures. And so for me, the exciting proposition was how you could create something across peaks where it was health and community services peaks. Sam, Tom and Deb have just talked about topics that unite quite different sectors, but unite them all as organisations. You mentioned governance as one. Do you want to talk through some of the others that you've covered and the, the other areas you've found a high degree of commonality, even across quite diverse sectors? Look, absolutely. The mental health area in our space is quite critical given 70% of app service users have got a mental health issue of some description. We, we deal a lot with anxiety and depression, substance use, and vice versa. The systems are 
not as well developed uh, for alcohol and drugs in the mental health space. For example, people talk about integration, but you can't have integration unless you have the collaboration and the relationship. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see how the Royal Commission that we're, we're currently having deals with this issue of integration. Will, will it be an edict that thou will become integrated? Or will they go to the level of sophisticated thinking that's happened in this uh, Tripex project, which, um, which allows that, that depth of uh, collaboration and relationship building? Without it, it's not going to work, frankly. You, you can't have a funding program that stipulates, well, that shall be integrated overnight. And we, we want to see that change. Uh, but it takes a really concerted effort and it takes talking about it. It takes understanding it. So one of the things that we've done through TriPeaks is bring together those people at the higher levels of organisations uh, to talk about things as though they're all in the same sector as opposed to being in different ones, just to see what happens. And they all talk to each other. They all get on. They all understand each other's. I'm, I'm oversimplifying a bit. Of course, it's not perfect, but they understand each other's challenges and they start to see that whilst we might call something by a different name, as it, you know, whether it's patient or client or service user or, or clinical governance or service governance or whatever, they're kind of all the same thing. And maybe it isn't so frightening to work together. Maybe we can get past some of those other problems, competitive tensions, contractual obligations being a bit restrictive, all of that kind of stuff, particularly if government is also in the conversation, which through this, they are. I think the, the other thing that is really exciting about the TriPeaks initiative from a, on a collaborative level is that when you look at it, we are sharing our resources as three peaks. Now, we are very different. We cover some different terrain, but there are very real connections and there are also expertise that we each have. And to not build our own town around everything and duplicate everything is really exciting. And I think you have to be prepared to let some things go and role model collaborative effort at a peak level so governance you know learning about governance you know Tom's organization's got a lot of a lot of work going on around governance that we've all been able to take things from Sam's had you know lent us some amazing speakers on really fantastic interesting work and innovation that all of the sectors have benefited from and didn't even know it existed and I'm not putting too fine a point on it the feedback on these things has been remarkable but also the the curated speakers and content has been very carefully chosen to be able to meet sort of our objectives through TriPeaks, which is learning across the three memberships. And so we've had, you know, we've had yourselves, we've had Cube Consulting, we've had EY, we've had um, some fantastic health speakers, we had some, some um, stuff on governance that was amazing. We've also had this sort of specialist stuff that's come from our drug and alcohol colleagues on, you know, what do the services look like for little babies and mums who have high drug use in birth? Um, and what are the services and what are the responses and how, what are the treatments? And the feedback on that was remarkable. So it's sort of the curation has been at every level. So from program through to high level, what's the world going to look like? You know, what the three waves of COVID that you gave to us um, through, through Cube, all of this has been remarkable. There's a national piece of research on the extent of child sexual abuse in our community. Obviously, that's a, a matter dear to our heart, but this is a, a widespread issue. So we want, we want awareness across our three memberships about that study. 
Well, and and it's it was one of the things that I was just I was just thinking about as you were talking, Deb, is why does it work with these particular sectors? Mm. There are a whole range of reasons, and of course there are risks that it wouldn't have done. But there's there's a couple of things in common. Uh, firstly, we all knew each other and, and we get on. That that bit we've talked about, that's really important because you know, frankly, partnership doesn't work if people don't kind of like and respect each other. That's just a simple human reality. The second thing is that we, whilst there's a bit of overlap between our memberships, there'll be people in our members, people, there'll be some of my members that are members of both Deb's and Sam's organization, but there'll be relatively limited numbers of those. So they're actually, we're not competing for members. And the third is that the clients or the patients or the service users that, that all of our organizations are dealing with have enormous crossover, which is not actually always the case with other parts of the health or community services sectors. There might actually be fairly limited crossover, but with us, actually anybody who is, is seeing somebody or being supported by somebody in, the, in Deb's um, or, or Sam's sector is almost certainly uh, interacting with the health system as well um, and vice versa. So you, you've got a lot of shared ground. So actually what we've found is there's a surprising amount of interest in things that, as Deb said, we all probably see as a bit bread and butter for us. And why are people interested in this? It's because they're dealing with these issues day by day, but because they're seen as being in the health sector or the, the child and family sector, that's not your business. You don't talk about those things, but actually they're dealing with it. So if it's something around you know, child well-being and you work in a hospital emergency department, well, of course you care about that, but it's not in your job description. So why would you would be the kind of normal um, thinking. And so we put something on about that, or we put something on about the fact that people who are suffering from uh, mental ill health are, are often also involved in the AOD system. And, and a whole heap of people go, well, we know that, but nobody will talk to us about it because we're not listed as being in the AOD sector. But your patients or your service users are crossing over between those sectors all the time. So why on earth wouldn't we give you access to that information? So they turn up. And, and the, the jealousy that happens within my organization, Deb, is that when we put something on just for our members, well, the attendance at Tripeaks events blows it out of the water. You get 150 people coming to a Tripeaks event and 30 coming to a VHA event because it's much more specific and, and tailored. They are totally different. I mean, the, the, one of the ones that really blew my mind was when we got Bronwyn Pike, Stefan Gruen and Nicole from CoHealth, three very senior CEOs who jumped at the chance to present about COVID and the impact on their agencies. Now, they love the platform and they're busy people, but that was another cracker. So you, you also want something that's going to draw leaders to it, that they feel confident and they know they're not wasting their time, that they're speaking to a broad audience because many of those organisations work across sectors as well. So for members and for CEOs, they look at what we're doing and they go, thank goodness, because they have to deal with multiple peaks. So what we're doing is cracking the code around joining things up to make it easier for our CEOs, our workers and our clients, because ultimately, you know, we have to honour that, really, because otherwise people start ask, asking questions about, well, what are you, why aren't you doing that? Um, as both of you are speaking at several times, you've talked about this being just the beginning and, and the beginning of other things. Sam, I wonder if you could talk to us about some of your broader ambitions for where to go next and, and how this can be a sort of stepping off point for broader collaboration between your sectors. You know, I'm probably a bit unashamed of this, but my, the solutions to many of the issues in my sector lay in switching on the other sectors to my problems. And if 
problem shared is a problem halved. And if I'm able to share a bit about how our system works, what its limitations are, what it can achieve with clients, share some insight and knowledge about how to work with substance-affected individuals with other sectors, reduce some of that stigma. The end result for our work is, is improved and the result for the other sectors is also improved. And we're constantly doing this through this project area and that's been one of the, the great benefits because it goes the other way as well. We're learning stuff uh, from Deb's sector and, and Tom's as well. And I, you know, honestly, I think that's one of the, the great benefits. The mentorship program itself We've got people in our sector involved in that who are matched up with highly regarded, extremely competent and high-level expertise. They're learning heaps and they're going to take that back to their organisation and our sector. That cross-fertilisation is really, really important. The joint project that we may end up developing will hopefully test us all. Uh, I don't expect it to be easy, but if we're able to get the right sort of project and build from that it just shows that we probably end up getting much better results there's always this constant pressure when you run a member organization of course to focus on your members and there is always the risk that if you do something that looks a bit like that's not what you're doing for example running services or providing support to people who are not in your membership that your members might have a problem with that and so in my mind, when we were first talking about this, I was a bit worried. I thought, what if people say it's not your place as the health sector peak to be working with people in other sectors? We're, we're paying a membership fee. We're, we have an expectation of what you do. And of course, that risk, if we'd not done it well, that risk could have come through and, and been a real problem. But, but I actually, the, the reality is we're not kind of unions for our members. We're not there trying to improve the lot of our members for its own sake. Our purpose is ultimately to help them to improve the lot of the people they serve. And because that was really clearly at the center of this work, there was no, I've, I've not had a single person say, why are you doing this? This isn't your job. It's completely the opposite. There is, and I think Sam's point about my problem is our problem, that, that part of our job is to socialize the issue so that they're well understood so that we can think about how we can solve them together. Now, that doesn't, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to overwhelm people with that, but part of the problem is that, you know, in, in our sector, you can't keep creating more out-of-home care placements. You just can't keep doing that. That you, What you have to do is try and find a way to make support families so that they can care for their children because that's actually what they want to do. So, you know, we've got a sector now that is saying don't do that. Don't just keep giving us more money for out-of-home care placements. Let's look at the solutions. And the solutions lay with, you know, I've got these two colleagues on this call. Some of the solutions lay with their systems. You know, if if women and women were able to access drug, drug treatment services earlier, some of their children wouldn't be removed. Like, it's simple. It's simple but complex. You know, so it's sort of some of the problems are simple, but together we can try and, you know, say that more often and say that together and then get the resources into Sam's area that we need for those families, for example. In terms of the future, this really needs recurrent funding. This is something that over the next, we could see some significant change across our sectors in workforce, in integrated service delivery, in practice, 
in uh, policy advocacy across the three the three sectors, whether it's you know health outcomes for children and their families. It's a range of things that we could we could continue to focus on, but we need good governance in our agencies. We need really good workforces and succession planning, and all of these things are really important. And we're already starting to affect those things in some of the small things that we're doing. So we'll be making sure that you know we get a good hearing to get this continued to be funded. It would be a tragedy for that not to happen. It's it's really interesting that what we're doing in a, in a small way, and we all acknowledge that this is the beginning, and it's not where we want it to end, and it, it's kind of a thin end of the wedge at the moment. You know, we, we know that we've got a, a report of a royal commission into mental health coming. There are also royal commissions going on into aged care and the disability services system. And previously, we've had them into um, family violence. Every single royal commission in any area recommends greater integration between sectors. They all say a lot of these problems wouldn't happen if the sectors worked more closely together. And five or 10 years later, after those recommendations, you tend to look back and say, nothing's changed. And then there's another Royal Commission that says basically the same thing. I don't, I would be very surprised if those three Royal Commissions, um, aged care, mental health and disability, did not say the same thing again. So everybody, every expert says, we need to integrate, we need to work more closely together, we need to treat people as people, not treat them as 15 people because they interact with 15 different sectors or 15 different services. They're still one person or one family or one group. And so we know this, yet we bang our head against the brick wall of, you know, kind of not being funded that way or legislation not allowing us to share information. That was a big problem in the family violence space, that legislation wouldn't allow people to share information about, about clients. So they ended up not getting any service. So it's, it's, it's kind of blindingly obvious, yet we still struggle against the fact that whilst blindingly obvious, it is incredibly hard to do. We're just about out of time. I wonder if I could, as a way of finishing, actually ask you questions about yourselves as individuals. We've all been through significant experiments over the last 12 months, working differently, either together or in other ways. What's something you'd like to see us take forward? I'll go to you first, Sam. I think that the highly pragmatic solutions to complex problems is, is possible and it can be done in a short period of time where there's goodwill and the solutions and the end result of it is, is, is reasonably positive. And we've seen this in the alcohol and drug space. So issues that we thought couldn't be done with massive policy agendas and reforms were done virtually in, in a week or two, particularly in the pharmacotherapy area. We saw the application of uh, telehealth to our forensic uh, population that's associated with the criminal justice system. And the uptake in that has been phenomenal and the completion rates have been far superior than anything we've had before face-to-face. Now, there, there's a whole range of reasons of why that happened, but it shows that complex things can be done quickly with much better results. Now, there's big learnings out of that and we just need to go forward with it. <laughs> across our sectors, the sort of kindness and support that has come pouring out, which is, you know, not retreating at all. And I I mean that genuinely across our sectors, but in philanthropy, in the private sector, the outpouring of what can we do? How can we work together? And and I think because of Tribe Peaks, it drew people because it was existing and it was a platform and it was real and it had a name, it drew people to that. I think Sam's right that actually some of the solutions are really simple. We just need to 
try and find a way to communicate that. I think also the point about some of the solutions to our clients' problems sit within, sit with other peaks. So, you know, my job really, for example, is to help Tom, uh, help Sam get the resources for families to get drug treatment services. You know, we need more paediatricians so that kids in care get access to more paediatricians because there aren't enough in Victoria. For example, they just are not. So kids in out-of-home care, they're not even at the top of the waiting list. I'm using examples. But we wouldn't have been organised in a way where we could see that so clearly as we do now. And the other thing for me is really all about sort of humanity. And I actually, you know, I think we're on a roller coaster now for some time. And things like Tri-Peaks will keep us safe and sane. And it's not a novel innovation that's a nice to have. It's sort of these sorts of things are essential. And Peaks are pretty essential in this environment. We've been, all been very active and been the glue. But Tri-Peaks is another level of glue that keeps people connected. I mean, you've got no idea how isolated people have been. So bringing people together in a Zoom meeting, talking about things that interest them, across sectors means that people don't feel alone. You know, certainly coming from a health sector perspective, COVID's been pretty, pretty terrible, but there's a silver lining to the cloud. And we have all gone through a shared experience. You know, you hear about people talking about what it was like after World War II or after Vietnam or after these incredibly awful, or even people who lived in New York after 9-11, who had been through this shared experience and had been forced together by the awfulness of that experience. COVID is that on a truly global, enormously long lasting level in a way that none of us have ever lived through in, in our lifetimes. And, and actually probably World War II was the last time anything like this with this level of impact happened. And because of that kind of shared experience and being thrust together, because we, we needed support from each other and we needed to support each other. It made something like Tri-Peaks, if we hadn't already been doing it, we would have had to have come up with something like it because COVID was so overwhelming. So I think one of the reasons that we do get 150 or 200 people turning up to an event is yes, it's great content, there's a good speaker, but there was also just this enhanced need to get together, to talk to people, to have another more positive shared experience than the negative one we've all been having living through COVID. And I think that benefit will be long lasting. I don't think it'll be a flash in the pan. I don't think as soon as you know we're all vaccinated and, and COVID is hopefully a distant memory, I don't think this will go away because it's it's been such a transformational experience. And things like Tri-Peaks and these, these kind of way of collaborating and working together and, and, and kind of understanding each other more, they've been turbocharged by COVID. And I think, you know, as I said, I, I think we'd have to invent this if we hadn't already. Our guests today have been Sam Biondo, Tom Simerson and Deb Sabaris. Thanks so much for being a part of this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.